Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ, and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as He does with the love of His Son, Jesus. If you want to support His mission here at St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Sorry about that, musicians, and uh, skipping the uh, the children's message. And I know it's like 5,000 degrees up there, too, so God bless you guys. This past uh, couple months ago, our eighth grade boys... If you've been involved in the school at all, you know about our infamous eighth grade boys. We're in trouble, again. Uh, Awesome young gentlemen by themselves together, dangerous. They uh, had done something, I think, in Mr. Rungi's class. Uh, I got to have religion. My class was the last class of the day after PE, so we got a lot done. Anyhow, they got in trouble, and we had them all sitting up here. And Miss Meyer was beside herself. Uh, I believe Warren was there. And uh, she was getting after him. And then I, it was my turn, <laughs> the, the lashings. Uh, I looked at them. What had happened? They, they'd, someone had broken something, and none of them would confess it. And nobody would narc on the other. Um, classic. You've been there, right? <laughs> and so if nobody's going to admit to it, then they're all going to get in trouble. So here they are. I looked at them, and I just came to me. I said, you guys want to be men or do you want to be weasels? Want to be a weasel? You want to be a man? Now, it's just guys there, by the way. If there were girls there, if there were women there as well, I might say man or woman or adult, mature human being. But they're boys thinking they're men, right? That's what eighth grade boys are. So you want to be a man, you want to be a weasel. A, a, A weasel won't take the blame. A weasel won't admit that they did it, you know, because they, they thought they were being kind of manly because they weren't narking. They said this to me. We're not narking, pastor, right? Okay, that's good. I think that's all. I'm fine with that. But then I said, if you're a man, you're going to take the fall. You're not just going to not nark. You're going to say, even if you didn't do it, I did it. I'll take this one. A man's going to take responsibility for what he does. I'm not going to blame everybody else and let everybody else take the fall. Or are you going to be a weasel? We'll see what history judges them as. Today, we're going to talk about this because it wasn't just these eighth grade boys that acted like this. It actually goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. The story of Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the fruit of the that one fruit of that one tree. They could have anything else, by the way, just couldn't eat from that one tree. Of course, what do you do when you're told you're not going to do, you can't do something? You do it. And so they ate from the tree. And what happens when you sin, when you do something wrong, you feel guilty. This is not a Christian thing. This is not Christian morality. Christianity didn't invent morality. Morality is in your bones. Morality is in all cultures, almost identical morality, by the way, until very recently. 
Morality is something you know you did something wrong. Even if it doesn't hurt anybody else, you feel ugly because of it. You hide. So Adam and Eve sinned. They took from God. And the first thing they did is they clothed themselves, because that's what happens. We've talked about this before. You actually now separate. Sin separates. You know what I mean? Because that relationship's broken. It separates you from the person you hurt, but it separates you from other people. There are people going around separated from one another, even though you wouldn't know it from the outside, but they just feel a little inhuman. They just feel a little bit like a monster. If only people knew, and they carry that with them, and it separates them from others. And, and you deal with people like this all the time, and maybe you're one. I think all of us have this a little bit. Sin separates you from others, and of course it separates you from God. And so Adam and Eve, this wonderful marriage is now broken. They don't trust one another, and they feel guilty and ashamed, so they clothe themselves. But then what else do they do? Moses tells us this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day, which sounds really nice, doesn't it? And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. I mean, not only did they feel guilty and ashamed, I don't want you to see my face sort of thing, but what, as far as they knew, what was going to happen if God finds out? They're going to die. That's what he says. You do this, you die. So it's not crazy that they are going to run, see if they can get away with it, and hide because they're scared. That's all they knew about God. This is right. This is true. He's a great provider. He gave us all this. But he did tell us if, he does, if we do this, this is the punishment. So they're hiding. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, and I think this is the first gospel. He says, where are you? Physically, where are you? But relationship-wise, where are you? You've been in a relationship like that when you hurt the other? There's marriages that fall apart. Divorce comes in, but before that, that separation, one of them hurt the other so bad that even if they're sorry, et cetera, it just sits there. And they seem so distant to you, even though you're in the same room. I bet you all know what that feels like. Or with a parent, or with a friend, something is in between you. It hurts. And that's how they felt with God. And you know what? God felt that with them. Even though they were the guilty ones, even though they're the ones that did the wrong, Justice is not enough, you know what I mean? Justice is not enough. Justice does not make things right. It doesn't make things alive. Do you know this? Justice is wonderful, but justice does not create life. It does not fix things. It doesn't ultimately work, even if it's perfectly just. God is hurt. And even those two receiving punishment won't ever get back what they had. Where are you, he says. He looks for them as they're hiding. Doesn't wait for them to come and apologize. Doesn't wait for them to come back to him. He looks for them. And that is, from there on, that question is the story of the Bible. God looking for people who are hiding from one another and each other and God because of what they've done.
It's the whole Bible. Where are you, he says to the man, and the man hears him. He's caught. And he says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was so sad. I wonder if he even knew how to say this word. I heard you coming, and I was afraid. Never had that emotion before. Because I was naked, so I hid myself. I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, and I'm weak, and I'm helpless, and I got nothing to protect me, and I know what you said, if I eat this, I'm going to die. And God says to him, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? He knows this, Socratic dialogue here, he knows the answer. And the man said this, what, what, what should a man say? Look at my eighth graders, what would a man say? What should a man say? My fault, God. I'm to blame. Kill me. Let her go. That's what a man would say. It's not what a lot of Americans, that's what people that went on D-Day would say, by the way. Not a lot of Americans today, quite frankly. Does Adam say this? Nope. Doesn't take the blame. Doesn't say, take me. Doesn't take it off his wife. The, the, the same wife that he just got done saying that she is bone in my bone, flesh in my flesh, he basically was saying, like, this is my best friend. It's the best thing that could ever happen to me. He was so happy to have Eve just moments ago. And now, what does he say when God has the guilt upon him and he's afraid? He says this, the woman whom you gave to be with me she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. What's he doing? Blaming somebody else. Transferring his guilt on someone else. Oh, and he's correct. Oh, everything he says is true and legal. It would work in a court of a law, you weasels. Good American. It's her fault, technically, God. Think about what he's doing. First of all, why is he doing this? We don't like to be caught. In my children's message, the first service, I asked the kids basically that, you know, when you get caught, what do you do? You know, they're, you know, do you blame somebody else? Oh, they had lots of great stories of how they were blamed, of course. They didn't say that they would do that, but yes. And here they are, and they would throw under, I remember one of them was like, their little, like, one-month-year-old sister. Like, you throwing her under the bus? <laughs> That's what we do. That's what Adam's doing. Scared to get caught and scared to receive the punishment. It kind of makes sense, actually. I mean, anything you can do to get away from that, you don't want to die. But think what he's doing. He's, he's not just removing the guilt from him. He's putting it on someone else. He's basically saying this. Kill her. That's sick. Weasel. Just to save his little skin. He's going to actually have his wife take the fall. I think we do this all the time. Definitely as kids, as adults, blaming someone else, trying to get out of being caught. We want to make sure everybody knows that we're righteous so we'll put it off to someone else. We do that in many different ways. We do it very clearly like that. I bet you've done that. 
We do this in our marriage. I'm sure I'm guilty of that as well. Julie, don't tell all the times I've done this. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Always looking for whose fault it is, first of all, because we're all in a court. We're all lawyers. Got to figure out whose fault it is so that we don't have to take any responsibility. So we can be clean, squeaky clean. But maybe we don't do that. Maybe we do it by comparing in general as a human being. I'm not that guilty. I'm not as guilty as that guy. Let's move the, let's move the spotlight over here, God. Look at that person. I'm not too bad. Or we're so scared we want to put the guilt upon a rationalization. It's my parents. It's how I was raised. It's the situation. And what does Adam do actually? He blames Eve. But ultimately, who does he blame? The woman. Now she's a woman, first of all, (laughs) and not Eve, not the first of life that he calls her. The woman you gave me. God's your problem. You're at fault. Oh, that's good legal tricks right there. I'm going to put it on you, and I'm going to get out of this. But we do that too. We rationalize. We have all kinds of reasons for why we act a certain way, why we did a certain thing, why we feel a certain way. Anything we can do so we're not guilty because we hate that feeling. It makes sense. And we're scared. And it's hard to really tell your, look at yourself and say, I'm wrong. It, it does hurt. It's hard to do that. So our first instinct is to transfer it to to a reason or even to a person like weasels, just trying to survive like animals. But what didn't Adam know about God? He was afraid. And you know what? If this is all you know about God is that this is right and wrong, and when you trespass that, you will be punished, and that's all you know, maybe Adam was right. Get the blame off me because all I got is to survive and I don't want to die. But so strangely, what he's about to learn about God here is something that you can only learn after you hurt God. Adam is about to learn something about God that's even greater than what he knew before about God before he even sinned. You know something about God now that only came about because of our sin against him. That's weird. You know him better than Adam and Eve did before they sinned. Because God does this. He doesn't just zap, kill Eve or Adam. He goes on. He goes to the woman, hey, Lord God, Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, of course, transfer the serpents. Deceive me and I ate, right? Nobody's fault. Does this sound like a parent, by the way? As a parent, have you had this experience? It's nobody's fault. Amazing. And then the Lord God says this. This is a surprise. Adam and Eve were absolutely surprised by this, I promise. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring, masculine singular, seed, and her offspring, masculine singular. He 
will bruise your head. Which is interesting, your head, Satan. And you will bruise his heel. God does not kill. God is not cold justice. Justice actually doesn't bring life. They learned with this promise. And they're put out of the garden for sure. And death kind of comes in. That's why all things decay and we decay and die only because we're sinners. Only sinners die. If you see someone who's dead, you know one thing, they're a sinner. But God gives them a light that a day is coming when a son of Eve will crush that devil's head. A strong man, as Jesus says, will plunder the enemy's house. And they were released, Adam and Eve. In fact, God actually made clothes for them. And even though death came into the world, life actually came into the world for the first time. Because because of that sin, through that sin, they learned that God is not a Newtonian, cold God that just made everything and just hit it in a vacuum and it all goes perfectly in perfect justice. But that he has a warm heart and forgives and loves. And by love, it means love someone not because of who they are or what they can do for them. But the love comes from God, is produced from his love not your worthiness of it, even Adam and Eve's, even those two who stole from them. And indeed, Jesus comes on the scene, the son of Eve, the strong man, and as he is lifted up, he crushes Satan's head so that Satan is of no use anymore. He can tell you you're a sinner. He can lead you into sin. He can throw your sins in front of your face, but Christ has died for you, and you are not accepted, not it's okay, not rationalize your sin away so you can be justified, but forgiven by the word of Christ, period, which is far more healthy, stronger, amazing than rationalizing. You're released, you're free, you're forgiven because, and this is the beauty, Unlike Eve, Jesus let us blame him. Jesus let us put our unrighteousness upon him. Christ let us transfer our guilt on him. That's what the cross is. He took the blame that Eve did not, nor should she have taken for Adam. He took our guilt. He took our shame and didn't whine or cry about it because he's a man. Died for us, responsible for us, and rose again, conquers death, and gives you for free forgiveness, eternal life, no questions asked. Because the only thing that can fix us is not justice, but is mercy and grace and the love 
the divine love of God, which is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.